What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. In his latest mock draft, Ryan Wilson of CBSSports.com mocked six wide receivers in the first round. We are so excited to talk about this position and talk about it with Emery Hunt, who joins us now for the third consecutive week on Fantasy Football Today. Welcome to the show, everybody. Make sure you're following us, streaming us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We know, by the way, there is an issue with Apple Podcasts. Uh, that has affected our po- our show, so we apologize for that. They're working on it. Uh, there's not much we can do. Should get fixed soon, but don't have any Apple Podcast questions to read today. We will save those for next week. All right, Dave Richard is here along with Emery Hunt. I'm Adam Azer. Heath Cummings hopes to join us later. Emery, how would you describe this year's wide receiver class? Plentiful, and I think it's more along the lines of what we're going to see until college football changes what they do offensively. I want to say maybe in my era and up until maybe 2005, you had running backs aplenty. And now with the advent of the passing game, spread offenses, you're going to find a boatload of receivers that are able to step in right away and play. You're going to find a boatload of corners that are able to step in right away and cover. So I think we'll continue to see the depth of the receiver class be what it is uh, for quite some time. And that's going to reflect in fantasy. Good morning, Adam. And good morning, Emory. You're going to see that reflected in fantasy for years, too. We've already talked about how this year you're going to be able to find great wide receivers well into the middle rounds of your fantasy draft. That's going to keep happening as long as, as college football feeds us interesting receiving talent. There's a lot of guys that are a little incomplete. But there are, there are plenty of, especially at the top of the draft class, plenty of alluring, exciting receivers coming into the league. Dave, that was so polished. Such good. That was so like local news. Uh, our Dave Richard is out on the scene. Dave, <laughs> good morning, Adam. Like they always start with a with a greeting. That was good, Dave. I liked it. It's very. I'm just trying to be pleasant. Very pre- trying to be nice. Professional, pre- pleasant, professional. Good stuff. Follow Emery by the way at Fball Game Plan on Twitter and footballgameplan.com is his website. By the way, we are giving away. Oh, and someone called out Emery in an email. We're gonna get to that. Coming right up. I can't up. wait. Yeah. Uh, we're giving away a spot in the 2021 Listeners League. I like to call it the Podcast League. Ben likes to call it the Listeners League. Uh, to win this spot, go to our Facebook group, Fantasy Football Today, or click the link to the Facebook group in the episode description. And I'm actually going to put a different link in there. It's going to take you directly to the post that I'm about to refer to. The post just says, give me the top 10 picks in the NFL draft. Whoever gets the most right is in the Podcast League. 
and the tiebreaker is uh, who submitted it earlier. Now, don't rush. You want to wait for some more news to come out, trades and things like that. But um, give us your prediction of the top ten picks. It doesn't. You don't have to give us the team, just the players and the order that they will go. I'm thinking, you know, maybe seven will be the magic number this year. But this is a way to get into the podcast league. It's really fun. Our Facebook group is Fantasy Fantasy Football Today. You can just search that on Facebook or click the link in the episode description. All right, we do have a lot of wide receiver questions, but Emory talked running backs last week. He's a former running back from the University of Louisiana, and you said something about the Rams running backs that caught the ear of Nick, and uh, Dave, Nick is from a Northern California town north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, St. Helena. Oh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Chico. Isn't Chico where Aaron Rodgers from? Sure. North of there? Might be a little further north. Sure, he says, like he knows. <laughs> uh, let's go with St. Helena. Okay. Dear John, Jeff, Peyton, and Andrew. I believe those are number one overall picks. Those are Colts quarterbacks. Who's the John? Harbaugh. Oh, okay. No, Jim. Uh, it's Jim Harbaugh, yeah. not John Harbaugh. Yeah, those are number one picks. John Elway, Jeff George, George Peyton Manning, right. and Andrew Luck. Uh, right. All right, so I have really liked the info Embry Hunt has given on the podcasts. That said, the one take of his I am not sure I agree with is Cam Akers. I was surprised that he thinks that Daryl Henderson could play that big of a role on the Rams next year. Cam Akers was so awesome in the two playoff games, I would have assumed he continues in the lead back role. Do you guys see it that way? So, Emery, give us your thoughts again on the Rams running backs. I really that, that really stood out to me as well. Yeah, what do you think? A lot of people are, are outcome-based. So if player A has good game, player A is the best player ever, player A needs to get, go, get needs to get taken first overall in all your drafts, but really player A is probably not better than player B. So we have to step back and look at the talent. There's a reason why Daryl Henderson was someone that they had in the lineup early in the season, early in the ball game. When they were feeding him the football, he was doing more dynamic things than Cam Akers. Cam Akers albeit had a great postseason run, you have to look at it like this. Maybe he was taking advantage of bad defenses. You know, there's a reason why Cam Akers wasn't in the league doll role earlier in the year. You can also attest that to maybe his past pro ability or maybe the fact that Henderson just kept getting injured or banged up and they couldn't rely on him, so they just went ahead and put the rookie out there. But I also noticed when Henderson is in the game, they tend to not give him the football. But when Akers is in the game, they force feed him the football. And it could be a situation where opportunity yields, you know, uh, the the output that you look for. But from a talent perspective, natural running perspective, explosiveness perspective, Cam Akers is good. Henderson is great in that regard. That's interesting, Dave. Do you think that Henderson could have a, a big enough role where we're going to be overdrafting Cam Akers? I don't. Uh, where we're overdrafting Cam Akers, there's a chance of that. I just, I think that, the writings on the wall for Henderson because we've seen it over the past couple of seasons where he might have a decent role for a couple of weeks and then it it flutters away. Whereas when Cam Akers late last season had the opportunity to be the lead back, the coaches were like, go, go, you're our guy, keep going, keep running. And uh, it's the coaches who are going to see, and maybe the coaches are the ones who are outcome-based. They saw how he played in the playoffs and they're not going to shy away from that. There's There's bad to Cam Akers' game. He did not rank well in elusiveness or yards after contact per attempt last year. Uh, he was 50% on downs of three yards or closer. So those those are issues that might 
kind of make you a, a little less excited to draft him, but the workload figures to be there as long as he's healthy. Emery's right. He's not as explosive of a running back as Daryl Henderson, but I think the coaches trust him more, and that's why he could end up being, honestly, a 20-touch back at times this coming season. Okay, good good discussion and food for thought for sure. I will steer us back to wide receivers, though. Um, and here's my first question for you. If we expect the top three picks to be quarterbacks, Emery, and you're on the board and you're either the Falcons or a team that traded up to number four, are you taking, just based on overall talent, are you taking a wide receiver or Kyle Pitts? I'm taking a cornerback, honestly, <laughs> uh, if I'm Atlanta. But if I Ooh. had to choose between wide receiver and tight end, uh, I would probably go wide receiver. You know, I feel like they have a good enough tight end in Hayden Hurst. Granted, he's 38 years old. Oh, sorry. So but- I, I let me just rephrase the question. I didn't mean to make it specific to Atlanta. I, my question is, who do you like better? Your number one wide receiver, which I believe is Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts? I like my number one wide receiver. Uh, I think, and my number one is is Devonta Smith. Okay. He has the highest grade out of the Waddle and um, you know Jamar Chase. I would go with Smith. You know, I, I like the perimeter options better, and I just think that right now, tight end, even the best tight ends, are not really the true difference makers in the game. When you talk about the Chiefs, yes, Travis Kelsey is outstanding, but man, you really worry about Tyreek Hill more so than Travis Kelsey. When you talk about Darren Waller out there with Oakland, you really worry more about the wide receivers. Waller is a good option, very good option, but he's relegated to Derek Carr. When you think about Green Bay, you yeah, you like Robert Tunyon and what he was able to do, but you are worried about Devontae Adams. So I would probably go more on the perimeter because teams don't really trot out their two number one corners, which is why when you talked about Atlanta, I said I'm going to go corner because you need two legit number ones to match up in today's game. I feel like with a tight end, you could find ways defensively to bracket those guys, take those guys out of the equation, or turn them into situational blockers as opposed to having them beat you deep down the field. So from a schematic standpoint, I would probably go wide receiver. Okay. Uh, Let me – sorry, Dave. Um, Give me your thoughts on the top three. I'm sorry. I thought you had Chase number one. That's my fault. So you go Devontae Smith number one. How do you rank them? How do you separate them? How good are they? Your thoughts on the the top three that everyone's always always talking about? Yeah, right now I have – well, not right now, but I have – Devonta Smith, number one, as my split-in or ex-receiver. Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle are two and one, respectively. So Waddle is one, Chase is two at my Z, or flanker, um, because I I think those two guys are one and the same. I think what people forget about Jalen Waddle is his acceleration, his re-acceleration, his explosive capability, and his ability to really handle the football in all facets of the game. Talking about as a receiver, in the wide receiver run game, as a kickoff and punt returner, he's just a dynamic talent that you want out there on the field. Slot receivers, it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. I have Tutu Atwell, number one. I do like um, Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. I'm a big fan of Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn. Uh, so there's a couple of guys there that you could find, you know, it, it, to be a your slot receiver, let's say in round two, more so than anything. But as far as the top three guys, Chase, Waddle and Smith, you can't go wrong with any one of those three and try to make them your number one. Dave, your thoughts? Uh, first, I'm taking Pitts over Chase if I'm just, you know, ex NFL team and I'm just going to line up Kyle Pitts out wide. He's 6'5 and he runs a 4'4 and 
humongous catch radius. I'll just use him as a wide receiver. We can call him a tight end all day, but he'll be used as a wide receiver. Chase is my favorite receiver in the draft class just because I think he's the best all around and safest prospect. Uh, I was kind of surprised by his 40 time. That seemed a little better than I thought he actually ran on film, but the guy can do it all. He can make plays downfield. He can make plays after the catch. He's got really reliable hands. He's got good enough size. And he's, I just think he's got the fewest flaws of, of all the other receivers in the draft class. Waddle, explosive for sure, a little undersized. Smith, polished route runner, great hands, plays bigger than he is, but also undersized. And you can keep going down the list with other receivers in the class. There are going to be nitpicks on them. I think Chase has the fewest nitpicks, and that's why he's, in my opinion, the best receiver in the class. And we're really excited, Emery, from a fantasy standpoint for these guys. We think they have stardom in their future, or at least these top three. Do you see it that way? Or are we talking about studs here? Oh, you, you start all three of those guys, all four of those guys, if you include Pitts, because they are the impact players. They are the game changers, the game breakers that we like to talk about, especially in the backfield. But we talk about out wide. You need guys that can get up and go get the football. You need guys that are able to separate. And you need guys that can score the ball once they have it in their hands. So all three, all four guys can do just that. And I think that's the area where you look at, well, why would you take this guy over that guy? Well, can he score? Can he take the ball away? Those two things I always look at. Uh, so if you talk about defensive backs, can he take the ball away? I want him on my team. Offensive players, can he score the ball? I want that guy on my team and I want him early. I want to do player comps with you. Uh, we'll start with these three, and then later in the show, we'll do a lot more wide receivers. But uh, you tell me an NFL wide receiver that we can compare these guys to. So let's start with Devontae Smith. Marvin Harrison. Earlier in the summer, if you would ask me about Devonta Smith, I would have said Tay again. I thought he was a bit one-dimensional. You know, just get down the field and go. But this year, watched him just develop as a route runner and watch him work himself short to intermediate to deep down the field and be consistent in that regard, he reminded me a lot of Marvin Harrison and what he was able to do out there on the perimeter. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. I saw something very interesting about Chase that kind of makes sense. You know, I saw a comparison to Steve Smith. I was like, wow, that actually makes a bit of sense. They both are aggressive when the ball's in the air. They both have that speed that you didn't think they have that they can pull away from coverage and really separate. So I'm going to roll with Steve Smith with Jamar Chase. I like that comparison. Okay. And how about Jalen Waddle? Waddle to me is, you know, Joey Galloway, Rocket Ishmael, that type of explosive speed that you, you just don't understand how fast someone moves until you're out there on the field. And they're just literally pulling away from guys that are in full pursuit you know, running their top end speed, which is probably like four or five, but that's just a different level of second and third gear and maintaining that gear. So I would probably go with a Rocket Ishmael, Joey Galloway comparison. Dave, have you seen any destinations that you really don't like in these mock drafts, the first 11 or 12 picks for any of these three wide receivers? I'm a little unsure of Devontae Smith going to Philadelphia, although I, what I know about Nick Sirianni is that he is a wide receiver whisperer. He does a really good job working with receivers. I've talked to a former receiver of his and how he credits Sirianni with changing his entire career trajectory because of what he does with receivers, and he may not have to do that much with Smith. It's the quarterback situation that really kind of bugs me there, so I'd probably feel that way if Waddle went there or if Jamar Chase somehow ended up going there too. Uh, we talked about Detroit. There should be a lot of targets for whichever receiver goes there. But I'm, again, quarterback, Jared Goff being there. 
don't really see that offense being great for wide receivers, especially wide receivers who excel downfield. That's something that Jamar Chase did a great job of at LSU. Um, Those would probably be two spots. I'd be a little nervous about Arizona and Miami for just this year if a receiver went there just because of all the the time or just because of all the uh, they've got to wait for other receivers to to leave there. Devontae Parker would have to leave Miami before a number one could truly step up. It's almost like the same thing when Judy went to Denver last year and Cortland Sutton was there. And we said, well, it's going to take a little while for Judy to overtake Sutton. Um, we, we might be waiting a lot. Same thing with CeeDee Lamb going to Dallas last year. Mm-hmm. Th- this gives me a chance to bring up another point, Adam, and that yeah. is that destination for wide receiver, I think, is huge for fantasy. It's, it's probably the biggest thing. I was thinking this morning about this. Michael Thomas, amazing that he went to New Orleans, right? And the fact that he was catching passes from Drew Brees, getting a ton of targets. What if he had gone to the Jets? Would Michael Thomas still be Michael Thomas? If he was playing in that Jets offense for the past few years, or would he be somebody that we were barely drafting or not drafting at all? No, he's a great um, fit for the Saints, but right. But so that's but, what uh, I'm but saying I, is that I think it's, it's going to matter a lot. I think it's a bigger deal for running backs. Amory, I'll, I'll throw you in in this mix here. Is fit a bigger deal for running backs or wide receivers? Is it a huge deal for both? And I'm just starting to think how many great wide receivers are really hampered by their quarterback play. The Jets would be a terrible example, but they haven't had a great wide receiver. At least I don't think they have. So, so I don't know the answer there. Uh, but look, like Amari Cooper was was really good with Derek Carr. He wasn't amazing, but he was really good. I guess you could say Dak Prescott took his game to another level. Um, you know, Andy Dalton, AJ Green was a superstar with Andy Dalton. Uh, Odell Beckham was a superstar at the end of Eli Manning's career. So. I think that great wide receivers can typically transcend the quarterback situation, except for Brock Osweiler. Uh, <laughs> whereas, you know, I, I, I don't know if, what the deal is with running backs. Offensive lines are so big there. Emery, what's your take on this little debate? Yeah, I agree with Dave. I, I think. Oh, come on, Emery. You- you're, cutting, you're cutting him off. Cut his mic. Cut his mic. <laughs> think, about, think about why you see wide receivers get fed up. You know, if you are running essentially cardio all day, and no passes go your way, you're frustrated. At least, you know, as a running back, when they call the play, I'm getting the football. Uh, when they call a pass play, you may not be in the progression. You may have to run a clear-out route or whatever, or you may just not be uh, the primary target. And so it could be tough out there. However, when you look at the receivers that we're talking about and look at their quarterback situation, Andy Dalton had was, was a good prospect coming out of TCU and landed in a really good situation where he had – three good receivers. Even when those receivers moved on, he had three more good receivers. So, and they were able to thrive. We don't see this situation out there. People are questioning whether or not Henry Ruggs was a good pick. Why? Because he's out there in Las Vegas with Derek Carr. They're not questioning whether or not he can play. They're questioning whether or not, well, they, maybe they reach. No, he's just in a bad spot. You put a, a, watch how much we'll talk about the Rams receivers even more so this year with Matt Stafford and watch how little we talk about whoever the Detroit Lions select with that seventh pick because of Jared Goff. Uh, so I just think that it is heavily tied. Like you need so much to go right as a receiver to have success. They have to block. Your quarterback can't be scary. And he also has to be accurate to throw the football as a running back. All you have to do is give me the football. Let me figure it out. And that's where you uh, have that special talent, like a Saquon Barkley, uh, as opposed to someone that needs you know, a lot of space and needs a lot of room. But receivers, they definitely need their quarterback to be at least 
league average to in order to have success. But I'll give you an example of something that helps your argument, Adam. Mm-hmm. Brandon Ayuk last year. Yeah. Remember yeah. we Ayuk went to San Francisco. I wasn't that excited about it, but I probably should have been because he was used exactly like he was used in college. And it led to some really great numbers. He also had a great opportunity because George Kittle missed a lot of time and he did great in those games. Debo wasn't at hundred percent. He didn't have a superstar quarterback when he stepped up and, and, and put up the numbers that he did. So it, it's, it's not necessarily just about the quarterback. It's got to be a good scheme fit as well. And I think Ayuka is a perfect example of that. Okay. So I don't want to spend the whole time on these three receivers. So this is my last question about this group and then we'll move on. I'm going to give you a wide receiver and a destination, and I want you to tell me how much better or worse is the rookie wide receiver than the veteran wide receiver on that team. So I see a lot of Jamar Chase to the Cincinnati Bengals. Compare real quick, Emery, Jamar Chase versus T. Higgins. Who's better and by how much? Chase is better because Chase tracks the ball extremely well. Uh, Higgins, I believe, is more of a hired assassin. Like, okay, we're going to go jump ball. Let's go T. Higgins. But Chase could do a little bit of everything. Okay, so then let's go Devontae Smith to the Dolphins. And who's better, Will Fuller or Devontae Smith? And by how much? Smith, because Smith stays out there. He ain't even playing the league yet. You know, Fuller, you know, will miss <laughs> yeah, a couple games. Um, so at least Smith, I know, I don't care if he's 108 pounds, he has been, you know, durable at Alabama. So he's already, in that regard, a better option than Will Fuller. Shout out to Will Fuller, who's outstanding when he's out there he on the field. He is really good, he yeah. Stayed out, he stayed out there on the field last year. It was like, man, that's a really good year for Will Fuller. Then you find out he was taking it performance enhancing drugs. No wonder he stayed out there on the field all, you know, all those games. That's why. So I, I would say Smith easily. Okay, and then finally, I see a lot of Jalen Waddle to the Giants at 11. Jalen Waddle, and they're very different, he and Kenny Galladay. But what uh, what do you think about about those two? I mean, who who do you think would have a better kind of maybe not necessarily twenty twenty one, but twenty twenty two and beyond? Waddle versus Galladay. You could put Waddle versus Galladay. Waddle versus Slayton. Waddle is better. Um, Waddle has the better speed. Waddle has the better game breaking ability with the ball in his hands. Waddle will change how you defend the Giants' passing game. Although Galladay is a good receiver, and although Slayton has been a very solid receiver for Daniel Jones, Waddle is the one that causes you to, to rethink how you play coverage because of what he brings to the table. All right, who's next? Who, who do you want to talk about next? Give me like a group of three after the top three. Well, I, I'm a big fan of these bigger targets that will have specific roles. So you go deeper in the draft, you look at Trayvon Grimes out of Florida, someone that showed this year to be a good co-pilot to someone like uh, a Kyle Pitts. So you have him going deep down the field. You have him playing high post. He, he's probably more along the lines of what you call your bigger inside receivers, like a Marcus Colston. I think Trayvon Grimes will definitely have a role in the NFL right, right away. And you also look at, I can't not talk about Kadarius Tony, another Florida Gator. People just think he's a gadget guy. I don't believe that. I, I think he's more Antonio Brown than anything. Um, he can get down the field. He knows how to score the ball, and he can win at every level of the field. So he has really good ability. And we talked about Schwartz and his speed. He is another one that has that Jalen Waddle-like speed. This guy ran a 4-2 something, and he's a track runner. He's an Olympian. So he has legit world-class speed. And if Al Davis was alive, he would definitely be in Oakland 
Raider. Mm-hmm. And you look at what, and I said Oakland instead of Las, Las Vegas because Al wouldn't have moved those guys to Vegas. He would have kept them in Oakland. Um, but I think he would have been a perfect fit with the Raiders. And, and also, you know, I know we talked before the show about Shai Smith. Shai Smith is a very good, solid receiver, and he reminds me a lot of DJ Moore, just a tough, physical guy. I was impressed with him when I watched the Tennessee game with how confident he was in everything that he did at the position. So if you have the... Yeah, if you're picking after those three are off the board, who's the fourth? Who who? Okay, six wide receivers were taken in the first round in the mock draft that I referenced. We know who the first three are going to be, or we think that's going to be the order. Who the, do you think the most likely next three are to get drafted in the first round? Wow, in the first round, I could make a case for Tony. You know, out of Florida, I could probably make a case for someone like Elijah Moore. Uh, who's a very good receiver. I could even make a case for a wild card uh, and someone that would be a legit home run player in Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. So, you know, I, I just think that right there just tells you how deep the class is. You have a little bit of everything. It's like walking in to, you know, Toys R Us for the first time as a kid. You're like, wow, there's so many options, you know, as opposed to walking into your local convenience store and you see like, instead of He-Man, you see like, he person, right? It's just not the right say. It's just a knockoff brand of He Man, right? So <laughs> RC Cola, that, exactly, right, right. <laughs> uh, so I just think that you know, with all the options we have, and that's why I'm able to break it down into different positions because all of these guys will play different roles, but they're all fantastic options. Dave, how about you? I mean, look, it, it, Rondell Moore, Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore. Those are, I think, kind of the kind of the more common names we hear in this discussion. Yep. Who are you looking right. at? Well, I, there, there's positive and negatives to all those guys. The one that's my favorite is Tony, and we've already talked about him. The fact that he's this slippery, explosive receiver who just—I mean, his highlight reels are ridiculous. But even when you watch him on plays where he's not even targeted, he's getting open. So there's there's a lot of excitement for him and he's 5'11 and almost 200 pounds which in this class makes him one of the bigger guys uh compared to some of the other ones you talked about more and more elijah moore and rondell moore uh they're both a little undersized that's going to be a theme with the receiver class this year yeah and they're 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 fun there's there's no question about it i look at elijah moore i see debo samuel i I don't know who i see when i see rondell moore but he's a he's like a lighter version of Kadarius tony but uh, he's got like an injury history to go along with it. He's a little bit better, in my opinion, than Elijah Moore. I would take Tony ahead of them. And I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a rush on bigger wide receivers because there aren't a lot of big receivers overall in the draft class. So that's where Rashad Bateman comes in. Uh, Not a burner by any stretch, but a good route runner, really good hand, seems NFL ready to be like a possession receiver. Um, Kind of the same things we were saying about Justin Jefferson last year. And then Jefferson went out, got a ton of targets in Minnesota and had a monster year. Uh, who were, I'm Marshall, sorry, who were you talking about that you just... Compared? That that was Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman. Yeah, because Terrace okay. Marshall... Do we see Marshall any Justin Jefferson too. comparisons there? I mean, this is a guy, he's sure. got size, he can play in the slot, and get downfield. Yep. He, he's okay at getting downfield. He's got good acceleration when he's got space, but I don't think he's necessarily got great speed overall. Uh, and he's got some injuries that... Uh, you just heard Daniel Jeremiah mention it on a conference yeah. call, but uh, significant injuries in 2017, 2019... Uh, I, I think he could be a good player. I think he does have some upside, but again, that's another one. Landing spot's going to matter so much for him if he can really play to his strengths as an inside and outside receiver. 
and just be in a position to be in single coverage a lot. I think he could learn to outmuscle defensive backs for footballs and continue to be a big play threat like he was at LSU. Emery, what do you make of, by the way, I just noticed your shirt says Emery. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> what, what do you make of uh, the, the height? Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of small receivers who can take jet sweeps and wide receiver bubble screens and yards after catch, uh, do a lot of dynamic things with the ball, but not necessarily big outside receivers, at least maybe the ones that we're going to be taking in, in the first day or first two days. What do you make of that uh, with this class? You know, I'm always size is not a skill. Uh, so in this, in that regard, I'm glad we're seeing more shorter, smaller guys get the pub that they are getting as far as first round hype is concerned. Um, but someone like Terrace Marshall, first of all, we need to go to petition.org and, and some somehow somewhere get an in in there because Terrace <laughs> is kind of it, it's confusing to me. You want to you see it and you say I like Terrace, it. but Terrace is kind of you know it's just, all right, well. I'm going to have a, a ghost in in there somewhere. But uh, for him, he's 6'3". He's about 200-something pounds, but he runs 4'3". And, you right. know, he had a, he has the explosiveness. He's like Justin Jefferson in that regard to where he's a bigger guy that can play across the, the, the formation. And so, yeah, we're seeing bigger guys. And, and this is something that I always had as a philosophy. If I were coaching, I would want my bigger guys on the inside and my shorter, faster guys on the outside, bigger guys kind of hold the safeties in the middle of the field and kind of hold them over top and leaves that open space, that track meet on the outside where those shorter guys that can, that are explosive, that can win off the line of scrimmage can get downfield. And they, they eliminate that safety help because they're worried about those bigger guys over the middle of the field. So I like the way that we're thinking here uh, in the NFL with these guys that are you know shorter, but getting a, a lot of respect. Who do you think is overrated in this class? Oh. Uh, in this class? Yeah. Oh man, I would overrated sound has a negative connotation, right? So one guy that I think um, game just doesn't, you know, uh, rise to the occasion, so to speak, is probably Rashad Bateman. I see Rashad Bateman being closer to Tylen Wallace than you know being closer to Jamar Chase. Um, and Wallace is going to be a solid receiver. You know, I think he's a good possession guy. I see Bateman more along the lines of that. I see Bateman, to be honest, more along the lines of what we saw from his former teammate, Tyler Johnson. So I see someone that's a solid receiver. I see someone that's going to definitely be a chain mover, but I don't see the difference maker that you see in the Jamar Chase, in the Devonta Smith, uh, and in the Jalen Waddle, those, uh, those receivers in that class. Rashad Bateman, by the way, if you, you look on a website, you're going to see 6'10", uh, 6'2", not 6'10", 6'2", 210. He measured in at six foot 190. Uh, Same size as uh, close to Tylen Wallace. And Wallace, watching Wallace play at Oklahoma State, I was like, oh, yeah, it's another 6'3", 215-pound wide out. I was shocked to just look at his height and weight. He was six feet 190. I was like, nah, he plays bigger than this size. That's crazy. And, and so Bateman... You, if you told me Bateman was 6'2", 210, and watched Minnesota play, I would legit say, yeah, he's 6'2", 210 easily. Mm -hmm. I was shocked that he was measured shorter than 6'2", because he looks 6'2". So those guys play big. They play bigger than their size. But I think they're more of second-round talents as opposed to top 15 talents. A lot of good receivers are going to go in the second round. It's going to be really exciting. Um, all right, so who's underrated? Who are some sleepers? And it, can I first ask about Tutu Atwell? Because I, I feel like he might be an answer for you. 
Um, <laughs> but he's another small, 165 pounds, but he's really fun. Uh, I think you like Tutu Atwell, right? Yeah, he's my number one slot yeah. guy. And it's funny because on uh, the combine, re- the medical checks that they just came back from, he measured it at 149. Um, so even smaller than Jeez. the 160. Okay, I, I I think I've been eating really poorly lately. I think I weigh more than Tutu Atwell. How am I supposed to draft him on my fantasy team? This is First of all, you got to catch 149 before you can hit and hurt 149. That's the therein lies the rub. I, is- I caught it with some mint chocolate chip ice cream over the weekend. I think I caught 149. I got. No, I'm talking about speed wise. I they know. Can't- I know. I know. No, so 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 that's the thing. Um, now, granted, not everybody that's 149 is Tutu Atwell. Um, but what makes Tutu Atwell isn't the fact that he's 149. It's the fact that he's explosive in all directions. He shows the ability to get downfield. He tracks the football how you saw Deshaun Jackson track the football coming out of Cal. So. I think there's a role for a Tutu Atwell, um, someone that I would want on my team. So yes, he was probably one of my one of uh, my more underrated guys. I also look at some guys from bigger schools, Josh Immortal Baby out of Illinois, explosive as all outdoors. Played with a pro coach in Lovey Smith, and and was outstanding despite the quarterback play at Illinois. So that's someone that probably was going to go in round three that can end up being that Tyler Johnson that we saw for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You also look at Austin Watkins Jr. out of UAB, another top-tier explosive guy. I think his speed and explosiveness is legit. He could legitimately be a starting gunner uh, on your punt coverage team and really affect the game in that regard. Him, Kawan Baker out of South Alabama, another explosive talent. Baker is someone that you could move around the formation and have success with. And we don't talk enough about Frank Darby. I think Darby has a role out of Arizona State. He's, I think, is going to be a legitimate red zone option uh, because he is fearless over the middle of the field. He may not separate like you want him to, but he's going to be one of those guys that is going to become a quarterback's best friend because he's dependable. He can catch the football very well. Um, He plays a physical game. He'll probably end up being one of those target monsters on a quarterback deficient team. You like those terms that I use right there is me getting a little bit analytical uh, <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> but I do, I it. do think that's where he he can fit. Uh, I felt like he. I was surprised by his size, Emory. He measured up at six foot two hundred, and I remembered him flashing last year when I was watching Ayuk. Speaking of Ayuk, watching him play, I thought he'd be a lot bigger and a right. lot stronger of a receiver. So I agree with you. He's going to be. Another one of those under-the-radar guys who, if an opportunity is present for him, could be very good at the NFL level. Okay, Emery, let's do some player comps uh, for, I don't know, five or... Uh, we'll see. I'm sure you can do it for everybody, but we'll do some of the more household names, I guess. Rondell Moore, tell me about him. Who's a player comp? Rondell Moore is exciting. He's dynamic. I think he's more along the lines of Jamison Crowder uh, than anything. You know, you want to see Rondell Moore stay healthy. Because uh, I think when we talk about him, we're talking about him in terms of his freshman year. He really hadn't played much since then. Uh, but his one game back, there's the one game, the first game back against, I want to say, Minnesota. He was just dynamic. So I, I see him more as a Jamison Crowder type uh, than anything. Kadarius Tony, Antonio Brown. Right. You know, Brown was more of that catch and run guy at Central Michigan and early in his Pittsburgh career. I see the same type of trajectory for someone like Kadarius Tony. Wow. Uh Rashad I mean, Tony had ba- Tony has off-field incidents in his past like Antonio Brown does in his yep. current. 
Tony's uh, also a musician like uh, Antonio Brown tried to be uh, this year, mm-hmm. but Tony's a lot better <laughs> at, at rap than, than Brown was. <laughs> that's, that's a fact. And if, if, if a coach can bring out his passion for football and he just stays focused on football, he could be among the best receivers in this draft class. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. I'm going to go with his teammate, Tyler Johnson. You know, I think that's more along the lines of what he is. Um, you can even say Traquan Smith out of New Orleans. Terrace Marshall out of LSU. I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. You know, I think a bigger, taller guy that can run uh, very good routes, get open, and has that situational explosive burst that surprises defensive backs. Elijah Moore, Ole Miss. You know, it's funny because I look at him, I see someone that could play running back too. He's very natural as a running back taking handoffs. But for someone like him, I can probably go um, – uh, I'm thinking of Steven Smith Jr. or the Steven Sims Jr. for mm. Washington. Um, someone like that. That that not the taller guy, Cam Sims, but the shorter one yeah. and Steven Sims. Okay. Uh Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. Eskridge would be more whew, man, he is so explosive. His speed just doesn't make sense, too. Mm. I would say Tavon Austin, okay. someone like that. Because again, Eskridge was a stellar corner at Western Michigan last year. Uh, in this past season, he moved him back to wide receiver, and he was just averaging 20-something yards a catch. Old school guys out there will love this comparison. Uh, Flipper Anderson, that's a good one as far as receivers concerned. But these, these, you know, these since 2006 football fans don't think football existed pre-2006. So I will go with uh, Tavon Austin. They remember him. No, it, it existed. It just it didn't exist before 1996, in my opinion. But uh, and let's do one more. Uh, how about Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State? Man, um, Wallace. If I had to, um, I, I I like Wallace's game, man. I, I think he's more Cooper Cup than anything. I like Wallace, and because I was gonna go, I was gonna go, you know, old school guy. I was gonna say someone like Andre Reed. Um, I was gonna say someone like. Uh, Isaac Bruce, you know, I know name name and Hall of Famers, but I'm giving you body type and style. Mm-hmm. But contemporary, I'm going with Cooper Cup. I think he can, or even Robert Woods, to be honest, another uh, guy that's kind of similar to what you see from Tylen Wallace that plays bigger than their size. Finally, if you are re-ranking the 2020 wide receiver class, who would your top three be? Out of which receivers you? Because remember, I okay. have like a thousand names in all my right, head. All right, all uh, right. Rugs. So I'll do it in the order they were drafted, if I remember okay. correctly. Rugs. I think it was Judy, Lamb, Jefferson, Rager, Ayuk, Higgins, Pittman. I don't know. I'm probably forgetting some. But, you know, those guys. Who are your top three? I, I, and I had it Rugs, Judy, and Lamb, right? And so I'll probably go Lamb, Rugs. And then put Pittman up there. Well, I just, well, 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 where's Justin Jefferson? Justin Jefferson, to me, is still, you know, if I had to re-rank him, I still see him as, he was my number one or number two slot receiver, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, but I do see him as a solid receiver. I think we're, again, Kirk Cousins is is pushing the ball right where, you know, the underneath area of the field. So it's almost like when you look at Michael Thomas, is Michael Thomas really the dynamic receiver or is he the direct beneficiary of getting so many targets, right? And so for me, if I'm always going to gamble on explosive speed. So I love how CD Lamb scores the ball. You saw that at at Oklahoma, 
You saw it in Dallas. This dude, it will not be denied. And Ruggs, I believe, health permitting, will have this, you know, the Justin Jefferson or CD Lamb type second season. Uh, so I'm still going to keep that in, in, in mind. I'm not going to over overrate what I saw last year. It's really interesting. So you never probably would have thought that Michael Thomas was the best wide receiver in football, as a lot of people did a year ago. Right. I mean, if you look at his yards per catch, I mean, if you're talking about hands, yes, he has the best hands in football because to make those contested catches, albeit on a lot of shorter routes, um, you have to have some tremendous hands. His hand-eye coordination is outstanding. But as far as guys that I'm – if I'm a defensive coordinator – I'm not necessarily worried about Michael Thomas. I'm more worried about guys that could beat me deep down the field. Interesting perspective, Dave. You know, step out of the fantasy realm. I I totally get it. Yeah. But that's the difference between fantasy and reality. It's that Michael Thomas, going back to what we were saying earlier, Michael Thomas has this amazing opportunity year after year to be the target hog in New Orleans. It pays off in fantasy. Justin Jefferson had the exact same thing. These guys aren't the most talented receivers uh, athletically. Yeah, they're they're just they're given a chance to get a lot of work and to make plays with it. All right, a good, a good example would be think about um, uh, what's the tight uh, what's the tight end for Jimmy Graham? Think about Jimmy Graham in New Orleans and Jimmy Graham outside of New Orleans. Jimmy Graham in New Orleans was Kellen Winslow reincarnated. He was you know the new age tight end outside of New Orleans. It was Jimmy Graham that played at Miami, right? And so I think situation kind of dictate how you look at players and, and judge players. Now, granted, Michael Thomas is a very good wide receiver because he is able to consistently get open, even though people may say his routes are limited, but he's open all the time. That tells you he has good route running. He has great hands. He's a very good receiver. But if we're talking about from outside of fantasy, if we're talking threats, he's not the biggest threat. He's someone that you realize like, like a Mushi Muhammad. It's like, man, I got to, I got to deal with this big body receiver all day long. That's tough. But if you think about if you, you know, you had to deal with Henry Ellard or you had to deal with Flipper Anderson using the old LA Rams comparison, more people were afraid of Anderson as opposed to Ellard, despite Ellard being, I believe a hall of famer in his own right in that regard, opposite of someone like Flipper. So I just think that from a fantasy perspective, yeah. And that goes to the point we were trying to make earlier where you're tied directly to who's throwing you the football and, a little bit of the offense that you're in. Awesome stuff. Uh, Before you go, I just want to tell everybody about the all-new Stitcher podcast app. It's been rebuilt from the ground up to make it easier to listen to podcasts on the go or on the revamped web player. Stitcher is home to all your favorite podcasts from classics like My Favorite Murder, This American Life, and How Did This Get Made? All the CBS shows that you listen to, Ion College Basketball, Fantasy Baseball Today, and of course... Fantasy Football Today, Fantasy Football Today in 5. In Stitcher, you have more control, like setting your download preferences per show and the ability to listen at virtually any speed. With Stitcher, you can listen to your podcasts anytime, anywhere. So give the all-new Stitcher uh, Stitcher a try. Download it in the App Store or at stitcherapp.com slash download. I've been using the Stitcher app for a long time, and this is a great, great app now and a great, great product. Emery, thank you so much for coming on. I'm not sure if we're, I don't know that we're going to speak to you next week. So enjoy the draft. It's finally here. I appreciate that, guys. I will be coming to you live from Cleveland. I'll be out there covering uh, day three for CBS Sports HQ. So looking forward to it. Excellent. I'll talk to you then. I'll be around on day three. Yes. Uh, yes, we are looking forward to it. We're going to have pod- podcasts Thursday night, Friday night, and some point Saturday, by the way. 
reacting immediately to what we see in the NFL draft. All right, that's Emery Hunt. We're going to step aside, see if we can bring Heath on for a little bit. We're going to read your emails and go through some news and notes. We'll be right back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, Heath has more important things to do. He can't come on. He can't make the show today, unfortunately. had a personal conflict. But we are back to talk about some news and notes and... Your emails, fantasy football. We're not going to read your emails. We're just going to talk about your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Dave, great emails this week. Awesome. Yeah. Let's get to it. No, we're just going to talk about them. But Joe Burrow is ahead of schedule and expected to be ready for week one. So that's cool. Everybody's always ahead of schedule, Dave. How often do you see, oh, he's behind schedule? That's doesn't, true. You don't see happen. it very often. No. But it's always still good to to like see him like the Bengals have posted videos of him walking out onto the field to throw the ball around. And he had a pretty gross injury. So it's, it's, it's good that he's on track to be ready to go for week one. This is all talk. You're right. Let's see if he's ready to go for the beginning of training camp. If that's the case, then we can put any fears aside about him starting slow averaged almost 20 points per game last year in the 10 games. He averaged played. 40 passes per game too. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of I, I know everybody would be excited if they took Jamar Chase, and and I guess it would make sense long term for the Bengals if they did. But they've got to protect; they have to protect Burrow. They can't let him play behind a bad offensive line, potentially for several years if they go and take Chase with their first round picks. So it's either Chase or Sewell, basically, in in all likelihood. This isn't a franchise that typically trades down very often. Um, maybe if they're if the Broncos are desperate to get a quarterback and they trade down with them and then they can still get one of the top two offensive tackles theoretically at nine. Yeah. If you think that maybe Pitts is there or Chase is just this generational talent, I think you gotta take mm-hmm. him. I think you gotta take him. I think they gotta take need. Pitts if he's there. If it's if it's Chase, I, I'm not sure if he's in the same type of like He's he's definitely the best receiver in the class. I, I guess he is. Yeah, a lot of people. It, it, it's a people really tough call. Is. I'm not sure what I would do here, but uh, maybe I am sure. Maybe I would just say you got to protect the franchise quarterback. Bengals know that great quarterbacks are hard to come by. Uh, Browns talked about it. So I, I the smart thing would be to protect Burrow, unless they've got a really good beat on offensive linemen. That'll be there in round two, round three. Chris Carson. Chris Carson said that he and Rashad Penny can be one of the best rushing duos in the NFL. Rushing duo? We don't like those. Yeah, I'm starting to lose my love for Chris Carson, to be honest with you. Just the fact that he's been beaten up the past couple of seasons. And when he has played, he's delivered about half the time 
which is good for fantasy. It's not great. I just don't, I don't want people to overrate him as anything more than a number two fantasy running back and not even one of the best number two fantasy running backs. He's a, a solid number two fantasy running back who you might lose at some point during the season, getting penny with him on draft day. It shouldn't cost you a lot, but he's, he's become, I don't know if I'm ready to say he's the best settle for RB two to draft, but he's toward the top. Like I'd rather have him than Melvin Gordon, but he's a running back that you settle for. You don't target him anymore. Tampa Bay GM Jason Light said the team has had talks with Antonio Brown during the offseason. Philadelphia head coach Nick Sirianni won't declare Jalen Hurts the starter. Basically, well, was something, it huh? was a broader discussion about how he just wants competition at all positions, mm-hmm. you know? So right. He's going to beat out Joe Flacco. The question is, is he going to beat out a rookie? But, yeah, we'll see. I'd be surprised if they took a quarterback in round one. I'd be surprised if there's a quarterback there for them in round one. What if one. they took one in round two? Do they have a second I think Hertz, pick? I think Hurts is better than Davis Mills and Kellen Mond right now. Uh, Kansas City is open to re-signing their two starting, starting offensive tackles from last year who are currently not on the team, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. Replay officials can now help referees on plays that were not challenged. So that's that's good. That's really good. No reason not to use technology to our benefit here. And now, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, defensive backs, linebackers, they can all wear single-digit jersey numbers. So that's cool. Uh, I I don't really care about this stuff, but other people do. So I was going to ask Emery what jersey number he would wear because running backs can now wear anything from 1 to 49. But I didn't ask him, so... They can wear a number in the 80s now, too, right? They can. 1 to 49 and then 80 through 89. That would be weird to me if I saw 84... At running back. Montgomery. Right. Flashbacks yeah. to Ty Montgomery wearing 88 in the backfield. Yeah, it'd be weird. And yeah, uh, you gotta know you gotta know everybody's jersey number now. I guess so. Okay, emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This is from Austin. Hey, George, George, George of the jungle. Friend of <laughs> Strong you as he can be. Yeah. Could you guys discuss general league rules around the tight end position and how shallow it is in recent years? What are some ways to make it more balanced? My league is considering replacing the tight end position with a tight end wide receiver flex spot, for example. That's probably the easiest thing to do is you just eliminate having to start a tight end each week and you just lump in all the tight ends with wide receivers. And then on draft day, I don't know, maybe seven or eight tight ends actually get drafted. It pushes their value down. Uh, You won't see, I, I don't think in that format, you'll see more than one tight end go in the, the first 15 picks. Not even sure Kelsey. What, a wide receiver tight end spot? Be, right. Be, right. You, no chance. Now you've got wide receiver no tight end spots. Right. You, first it's, of all, you lose. Scarcely that pushes you, them up. Right. You lose the positional advantage that those right. three guys have because nobody's starting Evan Ingram or Mike Gasicki or something. Nobody cares about them. Uh, I look, to quote Rocky Four, Dave, <laughs> there's no easy way out. This is. An easy way out. This is a shortcut home, and I do not approve of it. <laughs> you don't like it. Step up, play the tight end position, and you have to make that difficult decision that is so fun in fantasy that leads to so much debate. When do I take Kelsey? When do I take Kittle? When do I take Waller? And by the way, those guys are probably only going to get more valuable after the NFL draft because the Ravens are, are certainly looking at wide receiver, and the Lions are probably looking at wide receiver. And that could definitely make Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson less appealing. 
And when that happens, wasn't there was another one that that already became less appealing uh, from free agency, right? Who am I forgetting here? Um, it, the middle tier of tight end. Oh, 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 Hunter Henry both and both the Patriots. Hunter Henry yeah. and Johnu Smith. This sure. this is setting up to be potentially the most top heavy year at wide receiver that I can remember. Of bad memory, but. This is why this is no, don't get rid of the tight end position. Just make the difficult decision because it is a huge part of fantasy. It is great strategy. And I don't want to see that go away. I approve this message. Okay. Uh, from Sal. I currently have six starting running backs in my dynasty league. My worst are Sanders and Montgomery. I have a strong team lost in, in the championship by two points. I also have Tyree Kill and AJ Brown and the Kyler worst. Murray. All right. Is it a bad idea to keep six running backs so the other teams are hurting for them? Or or do I not worry about other teams and trade for another wide receiver or try for one of the big tight ends? It's a three-receiver league with two flexes, by the way. So he can start up to four running backs. You always won't be shy to trade away from depth, whether it's in-season in a regular year-to-year fantasy league or in a dynasty league like this. So you look at your running backs and... You find a team in your league that's really thin on running backs and might overpay for one of yours, and they've got good wide receivers, and you work something out. Don't give them away. Don't don't undervalue your running backs just because you have six of them. If because, Montgomery and Sanders are your worst, right, then, that means that you've got some really good running backs. Right, but think about a trade for one of the big three tight ends. You know, could you get could you get Darren Waller for David Montgomery? I doubt it. No, you're going to need to give up something more. I would Kelsey do that, might though. be the one that I would go after just because in Dynasty, he, sure. you know, he's older. And, you know, what if Kelsey is on a team that was below 500 last year? Maybe they're rebuilding a little bit. Maybe they'll take a younger back like Montgomery and a, and a draft pick, or maybe he's got a young tight end that he can throw in. Yeah. Something that can help that team develop and become a contender while he tries and contends for the championship. Now, he's got a lot of work to do after losing the title game by two points. All right, yeah, from Grant, from a small town in Missouri. Uh, East St. Louis. Hey, real quick, Schrager, have you seen Rocky Four? Probably. I've seen them all, but, like, what's the difference? That's the... What's the difference? I mean... What's the difference? Are you kidding? The the, the 30,000-foot view, I get that. (laughs) It's a movie with a boxer who overcomes the odds four times. Well... Not necessarily. Well, yes. Sorry, so. sorry that there's not a Rocky where he, you know, upends a crime on the street. But he doesn't win he... every time. It's the know. same story. I just go away, man. All right, ten team <laughs> PPR Superflex Dynasty. I don't know. I'm fired up today. There's ten great t- context to each Rocky movie. I I mean, Rocky Four is the most fun. It's not the best, but it's the most fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, 10-team PPR Superflex Dynasty League. Give up A.J. Brown and pick 202. No, no, no. Get them. Okay. So okay. let's start Let's start with what he gave up. He gave up Ronald Jones, D.J. Chark, 106 and 205. And he got A.J. Brown in 202? Yeah. Ring the bell. That's a win. That's a win. Yeah, that's a big win. Let me see if win. I have any type of sound effect that resembles a bell. Ding. It's a win. By the way, um, I forgot to mention 49ers. Gall man yeah. to the Niners. Okay, how about this one from... That's not fun, by the way. 
because he'll he can muddle stuff up. And I wonder if that means that the Niners aren't going to draft a running back, or if they do, that might mean that Gallman hits the street at some point. <laughs> I'd rather them ha- if I'm if I'm hopeful for Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert. I'd rather them have Wayne Gallman than yeah, of a course, rookie. than a rookie. Yeah. I would too. But it's still Gallman's coming off a solid year. Solid running back was available to them. They took the chance on him. You don't think he's going to work into that run game a little bit at some point this year? When the other guys get injured, sure. Okay, Dave, uh, oh, no, I'm just, yes, he might, even when they don't, but they will get injured. Not a lot. The joke I was but, making, yes. Right. Uh, Dave, I don't have a name or a city here. It's Barbara from Dubuque, Iowa. Hey, Molina, Pujols, Carpenter, and Wayno. She's obviously from I have absolutely Louis. no idea. Those are Cardinals. Okay, 14. Pujols is on the Angels. Yeah, but he's a Cardinal legend. 14-team PPR contract league, max five years on all rookies. My team is rebuilding. I have picks 1-1, So that's seven picks in the first two rounds, four in the first round. Should I combine some of these picks and try to get another pick in the top seven uh, or 11? What's a good jumping off point? Also, should I try for 2022 picks since I've heard that this class isn't very deep at the skill positions? I don't know. Maybe not a running back at wide receiver. It is. Uh, yeah, Dave, but it's going to be a deep at wide receiver every year. Yeah, Dave, um, would you, would you, fourteen uh, team PPR? Would you package some picks? Yeah, I would try and consolidate to get one more top seven pick. Keep one one. Keep one seven. Use one of your other firsts and maybe two of your seconds to try and jump back in, and then you'll have three of the top seven players in the draft. If it's a one quarterback league, do your best to get pits out of this. Uh, don't forget to, you should probably get pits, a receiver, and a running back with three of your first seven picks, assuming you can get back into that top seven. Ideally, try not to give up 2 1, you know, as one of, if you're giving up 1 11 and two second round picks, you try to try first try 2 10 and 2 12, see what happens. And this is from Larf. Hey, John, Andy, Brian, Allison, and Claire. Some of them are in Guess Who? The board no, game. that I believe that's the Breakfast Club. <laughs> okay. I think John, Brian, and Claire are definitely. Claire is the only one I think in Guess Who. Yeah, it's the Breakfast Club. Eat. That That is a movie you don't need shorts. to see. <laughs> the first half of that movie Dragon. mesmerized me as a teenager. I think the you, second half bored me as a teenager. I think you have to. I think you have to have seen it in the eighties to really like it. And you probably would have sure. loved it, but it the did. conflict between Bender and principal Vernon was always, you had to stop whatever you were doing to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 14 team PPR two QB up to three keepers. You don't have to keep any though. Who would you consider keeping 14 team PPR two QB league? Ezekiel Elliott last season of his contract, 13th overall pick Deandre Hopkins, 16th overall, two more seasons on his contract. Kyler Murray in round four last season. Terry McLaurin round five, two more seasons. Marlon Mack, no. Tannehill round eight, two more seasons. (laughs) Jonu Smith round 12, two more seasons. Daryl Henderson round 17, two more seasons. Thanks, by the way, the best sandwich hands down is peanut butter and Miracle Whip. Whoa. Probably good. I'd try it. Probably good? You're going to try it? I would try it. Yeah, sounds good. We need to get back on trying unique sandwiches. I guess I'll try it, but I'd... I am very skeptical of that combination. 
Well, Kyler has to be one of your keepers at round four, even if it's for one more season. Tempted to get Tannehill as well, just because it's a deep two-quarterback league. So I feel like that's the safe thing to do. And uh, not keeping Henderson. As of now, I'm not going to keep Janu. McLaurin is interesting. Round five, two more seasons. Harry in the fifth round, when you can keep three guys... It's like the seventh yeah, or eighth so what's, round. What's better, Hopkins in round I two? I can't decide between that or, and Zeke. Okay, Zeke in round one, Hopkins in round two, three picks apart. Or and, and McLaurin in round it's, three. It's around five. With Zeke. Like you're not going to get him back if you throw him back. Well, you might it could, because it's two QB. I don't know how many QBs are going to be kept. Probably okay. not. Well, we've narrowed it down to four, and we know that Kyler's one of them. So you've got to pick two from Zeke in one. McLaurin in five, and you can keep him for two more seasons, and Tannehill in eight, who you can keep for two more seasons if you want to. I'm going Tannehill and McLaurin. I'm going to say that if you're confident you can draft a quarterback with one of your with your second round pick or your third round pick, and it, it's somebody who's at least as good as Tannehill, throw Tannehill back, and then you can keep Zeke for the year, keep McLaurin for two more years, and with Kyler. Okay. Ben, what do you think? If, if, if you're not worried about getting those quarterbacks, though, if you, if you just think you're not going to get it because people are going to typically hold on to quarterbacks, then you got to keep Tannehill. I think Tannehill is an auto start in a 2QB league, so oh, I'll take him no that late. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. I like Terry there, but you can make a case for Zeke to end of round one. Probably not going to be there. Yeah. All right, Drago. Thank you very and much. And let's face it, like McLaurin's not going to be there in round three, much less round five. Mm-hmm. That's a guy you're redrafting in round two if you have to have McLaurin back on your team. It's a 14-team league, too. Keep that in mind. Yeah. I mean, that that just, it, to me, it, it just makes me lean toward Tannehill because the odds are you're not going to find a quarterback as good as Tannehill in round two or round three. Certainly not at a round A value. We are done. Done for the week, unless there's some breaking news. Back on Monday with Ryan Wilson to talk about his latest mock draft. Does a lot of them. And the fantasy impact. And yeah, we're getting ready for the NFL draft. So go to our Facebook page. Check that out. I got the link in the episode description. And uh, get into that draft contest. We'll talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.